Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. Welcome, everybody. Glad you all came out. I think those... (laughs) Hi. I think those words sometimes in that last song that was in there um, is so often sometimes the only words that I can get out when I'm just either humbled or don't know what to pray. So often I just find myself saying to God, you are so good. And it's so great to know that he'll never let us down. Um, and yeah, because... People, we let each other down. The God, to know that in every single circumstance, will never let us down, is just such a rock to be putting everything on. Anybody remember what we talked about last Bible study? You can look at your notes also, or look at John 19. Jesus got crucified. Yeah. Yeah, we read through the the crucifixion of Jesus. We looked at his his seven last sayings, some of which were pulled from a combination of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but um, kind of looking at them all together of the whole story, the whole crucifixion, uh, and and what happened there on the cross. So we're in John 20 now, second to last chapter of John. We started this at the beginning of the year. Can you guys believe that? We started John at the beginning of the year, going through this one week at a time, one chapter at a time. And next week we'll we'll finish up John. So Yeah, John twenty. Oh I got a Bible upstairs. I get it for you. Okay. I don't know where it's at. It might be on the table or somewhere. Jesus will lead the way. I'm like, I'm missing something here. I got it here. It's just not the same as on paper. Anybody have a praise report or testimony or prayer request or anything to share? God is good. Hey. All the time. All the time. <laughs> All the time. God is good. Amen. My sister got me. Hey. How about that? It's awesome. I have a cool little little story to share. Um, a little testimony of something that happened. This is probably about a month ago or so now at this point. Um, I was heading into... Actually, this was what I was going to share to you a few weeks ago about something from the radio, when something from the radio came up. Uh, But anyway, so I was driving into work. Uh, Before heading into work, I was going to um, to Cisco for our our food supplier to pick some stuff up. Um, That was last minute order to pick up as opposed to having them deliver it. I go there often, um, sometimes once, twice a week to pick up some last minute stuff with last minute events and things that come on. So you get some last minute items here. Uh, I, it's always the same person, always the same lady who's at the reception area um, or whatever you call it, that's the, the one uh, customer facing area. And she's always there, I always see her. And I'm there so often lately that 
you know, I walk in and she already starts flipping through the invoices, looking for my company's invoice. I don't have to say, hey, it's, you know, Ben picking up from Yes Chef. I don't have to say anything anymore. Um, she just starts flipping through. She sees me walk in and she's already flipping through, finding here you go. She already knows what company I'm coming from, which is cool. You know, just walk in and it's like, here you go. It's like, cool, I already got it ready for me. So last, well, no, this has been like a month now. So when I went in there the other day, um, I'm, I'm driving and she was very helpful the, the, the previous week and like very, very, very helpful. Went way above beyond, you know, what was expected of her. I didn't realize that my boss submitted multiple orders. So I, I just went in said, and, you know, she gave me a paper. I signed it. I didn't know that there was two more to be signed because there were three separate orders. I go out to my car, I'm waiting for the order to come out. She comes out to the car, which she's never done before, and said, hey, you have more than one order. I'm like, oh, thanks, I didn't realize that. Signed the invoice, she coming. And then uh, she goes back. A few minutes later, she goes back out again. She's like, all right, last time I'm coming out. Kind of jokingly, like, you know, you have three invoices for today. I'm like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I thought it was just one that I was coming to get. I didn't know. So I sign it, all right, thanks a lot. So I'm waiting for all three orders to come out. Super helpful, awesome. Um, so then it was like a few days later, I go back again, picking stuff up and, uh, on my way there, I, I had started thinking even a few days prior, I'm like, I kind of want to get her just a little, a little gift card, just a little, you know, few dollar Dunkin' Donuts gift card, just a little something to show my appreciation. Like, you know, it really helped us. And I was kind of like sucking myself out. Like, nah, it's okay. I don't need to, it, it doesn't make a difference. Like that's her job. You know, she's supposed to help the customer. And so I'm, I'm driving in, about to head there to pick the stuff up, and, and I'm like, oh, there's a Dunkin' Donuts literally right before I, I turn onto the road that I need. Like, I literally drive past the Dunkin' entrance. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm already, like, cutting it close on time, picking this up, getting into work. It's going to be a busy day. Maybe I won't. I'm like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it, it's okay. Um, well, right as I'm contemplating that, and as I'm almost coming up on Dunkin' Donuts, I hear on the radio... Uh, the the people on 95.1, you know, just, just speaking back and forth to each other, they're like, today is national, or I'm declaring today as national use up your gift cards day, because so many, you know, here's a statistic of how many uh, dollars per person in the whole country go wasted every year from unused gift cards because they forget about them, they lose them, they just don't, you know, whatever reason, they just go unused, and they're talking about gift cards, and she's just naming it like, I declare today's national use your gift card day, and I'm like, all right, God, I hear you. All right. I turn into Duncan before I get there. I'm like, let's do this. Go to Duncan, get a little gift card, walk back out. Took me a whole extra two minutes of my day to do that. And I go on in and, and you know, she, I, I walk in. She pulls the invoice. Here you go. I sign it. And I give her a little gift card. I say, hey, this is for you. She's like, what? Why? Why? That's not needed. I'm like, just a little extra something. Just a thank you to show my appreciation. And uh, I really appreciate your help last week. You know, I didn't even realize I had all these extra invoices, and she was really thankful. Um, we just started talking a little bit. Asked her if she had any plans coming up. Um, asked her if there was something I could pray for her for. It opened up an opportunity. I, I never really talked with her much. I wrote her name on the gift card, which we never formally introduced ourselves. I'm like, the name's Dawn, right? Because you know, she has a little plate that says Dawn. But you know, just formally introducing ourselves. Um, and anyway, so I got a chance to pray with her. Um, she shared a lot of stuff. I was not expecting, I was just expecting, oh yeah, pray for her family and health, which she had said that too. But then she shared a whole bunch of stuff. I was like, 
wow. And I asked her if she believes in God, if she believes in Jesus, if she has a relationship with him. And, um, and she shared, you know, kind of like where she's been at, where she's at now, where her husband's at, and, you know, kind of what's going on there. And it was really cool. So I, got, I prayed with her right there and then. Um, oh, the funny thing is, as I walked in that day with the gift card ready in hand, uh, I, before I even open up the door, I see her and her coworker look at me and start, and then they look at each other and they start laughing before I open the door. And I'm kind of like, I'm like, what's so funny? Like, you know, just kind of on my face. And she was like, oh man, see, I should have bet, I was going to bet him $10 that you'd be my first person in today. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm always there, like, right as, you know, five minutes after they open, always right at 8.05. Um, and she was like, ah, I, I knew he'd be the first one in today. I should have bet. I, sh I was going to bet him $10. Um, but it was just kind of funny. It's like she, she saw the repetition of my timeliness. She saw a repetition of who I was. And she was like, ah, this guy's going to be here, right? He'll be, like, he'll be my first customer today. Um, and I got to pray with her, and it was really cool. Um, so that was my testimony. And... Just goes to show, like, you take two minutes out of the day to just do a little extra something for somebody. It doesn't have to be you gotta buy them a gift card. You can just be, hey, I'm Ben, by the way. Nice to meet you. Hey, can I pray for you with it, for anything? And and they can open up a whole a whole door and whole you know friendship, relationship, whatever. But yeah, I've been meaning to share that for a little bit. It, it was really cool. And now I go there, I'm like, hey, Don, how's it going? And I'd be like, hey, how was your trip that you took on with your family? Oh, how did those things go that you were talking about? Hey, how's that going? And now it's more than just a, hey, yes, chef. Thank you. Now it's a little more than that. So it's pretty cool. The resurrection. Awesome. <laughs> so we're going to be reading the resurrection today. Does anybody want to start reading uh, John 20? 1 through 10. Nobody wants this exciting part of, sure. of our foundation of our faith? <laughs> you gonna read it? Yeah, okay. I can. <laughs> All right, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. The Empty Tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Awesome. What do you guys see going on here? Jesus is gone. He's not there anymore. The last sentence, the last few, the last four words at the very end of chapter 19, they laid Jesus there. There being in the tomb that we just read about. And now, Sunday morning, he's not there. What else is going on? 
There's a lot of running. <laughs> Who's faster? The one Jesus does. That's just true. Yeah, John, the, the yeah. one who wrote this this book, uh, he's he always refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves, which is a true statement. Any of us can refer to ourselves as that and be true. He just chooses to write as refer to himself in this book as the one Jesus loved. And then here he mentions he he just had to you know put that in there. I'm sure Simon was like, why'd you put that in there, man? Now people are gonna know that. You know, she ran, found Simon there. Uh, verse three, Peter and the other disciple. The other disciple is John. Peter and John started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and got to the tomb first. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better than you. I just think it's I just think it's great. John. John. John's like, yeah, if there was a resurrection marathon, I'd win it. I'd get there first. It reminds me of this meme. I can't really see it. Uh, that, that's my exact thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like Peter and then John's like, don't write it, don't you dare write it. And it's, that's, and Captain America says that on your left, but he's like, they both ran. But the other disciple outran Peter. And he's like, no. <laughs> what else is going on here? Who took Jesus according to Mary? Who did Mary think took them? Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We do know that, but I don't think from this section we know that. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, so this this Mary, anybody remember anything about this Mary, Mary Magdalene? From her past? She was possessed. She was possessed, yeah. How many demons? Many. It doesn't say a legion. Mm -hmm. It was seven. seven. It was seven. I think different Luke, say different Luke 8, 2. Legion was different. But anyway. A lot. Because I don't know. Ooh, again, I'm about to get ahead of myself. The guy. Did you just read on this? Just read next. We might just read on a little bit. That's a little uh, too exciting today. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's read 11 through 18. Does somebody want to take that? I will take it. Go for it. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take you away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni! which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have yet ascended, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Awesome. 
So, according to Mary, who does she think took them away? <laughs> the gardener. Maybe. Not necessarily. I mean, she, she might think that. She, she sees a person who thinks of the gardener. She doesn't know who took them. She, she Someone. Says, she says a specific word. It's in verse 13. She says, they have taken away my Lord. They have taken away my Lord. Mm-hmm. Who did? They. They did. Them. Them. People. Those people. Somebody. <laughs> I don't know who, but they did. Someone took him away. Took him away. What are you guys' thoughts about this whole thing? Of what we've read so far? I think of a politically incorrect joke every time I read this passage. She saw the gardener, who she assumed to be Jesus, but was actually Jesus. What are you trying to say then? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's crazy how she didn't recognize his voice then. So I wonder if his voice was different. She didn't than recognize his face. His face. She almost cried. Like, yo, know, you got Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. It fogs your eyes, okay? And the, the last time she saw him, he was bleeding, he was torn to pieces, you know, he was, his flesh was torn and and just bleeding everywhere. That was the last thing she saw, and then they wrapped him. And now they walk in, and it's not there. What did it say? I think it was in the, the first part of what we read. How was how his garments left? The wrappings that Jesus was wrapped in. Did it say that here? Verse 6. Verse 6. Oh, sorry. Through 7. Yeah, 6 and 7. Folded up in a place by itself. We talked about this with the Bible three chapters a day. Yeah, we did. A little, little bit of, of etiquette, even even at a dining room table also. I know it's been kind of compared to it like that also. All right, so you have your, your linen cloth, you know, whether it be on your lap or kind of a little bit on your, you know, wherever, tucked in, however, however you have it, right? If you're, if you're at a fancy dinner or a traditional dinner, if you're getting up, say you need to go to the restroom or you're going to go greet someone, I'll leave it nice and neat on top of your place setting and kind of saying, like, I'll be back. You know, keep it nice and clean, I'll be back. But if you're done, ugh, I'm done. You just kind of leave it a mess, right? You know, maybe if you're, you're out in a hurry, you just kind of throw stuff wherever. But Jesus' clothing was folded. It was there, neat. It wasn't, it didn't say anything about it being, you know, blood-stained and torn apart. Because even after he was crucified, they took him down, you wrap him in that, in that grave cloth, essentially to, to preserve the body, kind of mummify it. You unwrap it, even hours later, it's going to be bloody, it's going to be stained, it's going to be gross. You probably wouldn't fold it very easily because of all the ointment and everything that was put on him and put on the gray cloth for the smell and everything else, it'd be hard. The, the, the gray cloth would be stiff. It wouldn't really be able to 
do much with it. It kind of be like taking off a cast. It's hard. It's not foldable. But somehow, some way, I mean, that's not as miraculous as Jesus coming back from the dead of his cloth being clean. But that's still pretty cool, and that still, you know, wouldn't be a normal thing. And so it's laid there, folded, lying apart from the other wrappings. And she thinks that somebody took him away. So she doesn't know who, but she's like, someone took him away. They took him away. They took him. Hey, man, if you know where he's at, let me know. I'll take him from here. So Mary is either very strong for a woman, or she's just not thinking about how. She's not thinking about how. She's just thinking about the who. She's not like, if you know where he's at, let me know, and I'm going to go get some friends to help me carry the body. She's like, no. If you know where he's at, let me know, and I'm going to take him. She's like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out a way to to carry him, to carry this, you know, person who probably weighs more than herself, and then with all the extra, the clothing and all the, the you know, sometimes they say, um, historians say it could have been up to 100 pounds of, of perfumes and, and other ointments and things that they put onto the body. So maybe a 250 pound body that she's just like, let me know where he's at, I'll take him, I'll take him from here. Not, not worry about, like, how. She's just like, I need my Jesus. 13, I think, is so cool. We talked about the they part of it. They have taken, they have taken away who? What does she think? They have taken away my Lord. My Lord. They, she didn't say, they took away Jesus. They took away the guy who was in here. No, she's like, they took away my Lord. It's so personal. I think it's so beautiful. And uh, there's, there's a little correlation with uh, the two angels, one being at the head, one being at the foot. Exodus 25, 18. One at the head, one at the feet. That's where the cherubim were also placed uh, at, the, at the mercy seat. One at the head and one at the foot. And no, she didn't get scared. She didn't get scared about the angels. She just saw two angels. A lot of other times we see in the Bible when angels appear, they start off saying, Do not be afraid. Don't not be afraid because they know they're going to be afraid. Like, what is this? But she just saw two angels and you know, she, didn't, she didn't seem to react with shock or fear. Maybe she didn't even perceive them as angels. There's a cool correlation to that to that thought. Um, Hebrews 13.2 of, of not, she, uh, of maybe she just didn't realize they were angels. I mean, she just saw Jesus and didn't realize he was Jesus. She thought he was a gardener. Uh, such a small book. Where are you at? Uh -huh. Hebrews 13.2 don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this entertained angels without realizing it. Probably. 
essentially, and, and Jesus said it too, you know, when he's like, and people, when he's saying, you know, many will come knocking on my door and saying, Lord, Lord, like, we know you. Why, why can't we be let in? And he'll say, did you ever feed me? Did you ever clothe me? Did, did you feed me when I was hungry? Did you clothe me when I was naked? And, and they'll say, but we never saw you hungry. We never saw you naked. We never saw you in need of this. And, and Jesus will respond, when you've done that to the least of these, you've done it to me. So when, when we're helping the homeless, when we're helping a random person who needs help, clothing someone, feeding someone, giving someone a drink, whatever it might be, and we're doing it to the least of these or to anybody. It's as though we're doing it to Jesus. And, and that, that verse in Hebrews is saying that when you're showing hospitality to somebody, just, just out of showing love, showing hospitality, it could be an angel, and you might not even know it. It could be, you know, showing hospitality to Jesus, showing hospitality to, you don't know who. My um, Bible has a note about 18. It says, Mary did not meet the risen Christ until she had discovered the empty tomb. She responded with joy and obedience by going to tell the disciples, we cannot meet Christ until we discover that he is indeed alive and that his tomb is empty. I think that's super interesting to think about, like the reality of the empty tomb being the what we talked about, like the foundation of our faith, the resurrection, the foundation of our faith, and like this idea that we don't really meet Christ until we believe and fully buy into the the truth of his resurrection and why and everything that goes in with that. So I thought that was good. Mm -hmm. Putting it in those terms was interesting. Cool. Who was the first person that Jesus saw after being resurrected? Mary. Mary. You know, it's crazy. I was just thinking that in my head, and then you started talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm not lying. I was just, in, it was just in my thought. I was just about to say something, and then you said that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Mary, of all people. And there's two, dis two disciples there, too. There's two disciples there, also. And and someone could say, Mary, of all people, why not, why not one of the disciples? Why not a Pharisee? Why not this person? Uh, a woman, first off, when women in that society were way lower in the rankings of, of societal, you know, whatever, men were at a higher status. Men were generally the one who had certain rights or, or whatever. And you look at her past, she had seven demons before inside of her. And Jesus chose to reveal himself to her first after being resurrected. Resurrected. It just goes to show your past doesn't define you, what you've done, what anything from your past doesn't define you, and what God can do through you. Because Jesus chose to use a woman who was possessed by seven demons to be the first one to show that he's come back from the dead. It's kind of similar to uh, how he first reveals who he is to the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And she's the first one who actually gets to know who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she then goes and tells the town. And, you know, later on down the road, throughout his ministry, he comes back and you know, the faith in who he is has grown because of her. And she was, you know, Gentile, you know, uh, 
you know, promiscuous young lady. Mm-hmm. You know, she has all, you know, lowest of the low, right? So, you know, he just keeps doing it, right? Yeah, that's a good example. Just a perfect example of Jesus, his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom of what it is here on earth, where exactly the woman at the well, she would have been the very last one that society would have said should be able to see the Messiah or would be able to do anything. Like, you're a Samaritan, you're a woman, and you've done all these things, your path defines, uh-uh, you're on the last of the list. And Jesus is like, I'm going to tell her first that I'm the Messiah. I'm just going to straight up tell her. Can I have a volunteer? We have no idea what you're getting yourself into. What's up, Dad? It's pretty easy. Cool, thanks, Brian. No worries. <laughs> Can you stand up? Sure. Can you close your eyes and turn 180 degrees? Thank you. Can I get another volunteer? Don't say anything, just raise your hand. Okay, would that person stand up? Zach, who is it? I have a pretty decent guess because I have yours. <laughs> I think it's Hannah. But it could be like somebody near her. Okay. Or maybe I'm completely wrong. You're, you're wrong. Okay. It's not Hannah. Don't, don't say anything yet. Yeah, you didn't know who it was. You, um... Now, would the, the second person call out the name of the first person? Just only just that name. Say, say his name. Zachary. Who is it? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? Because she said her name. I know her voice. But she didn't say who she was. Correct. What did she say? She said my name. Hmm. All right. Cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Give it up for our volunteers. So close. <laughs> I was in that section. I heard the chair. I tried to make noise. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's like mafia. You got, oh man, like, you know, move too much in my chair. So, Mary did not know that Jesus was Jesus when she saw a person there. She's like, someone's taken away my Lord. And then her Lord is right there and like, why are you crying? What are you, who are you looking for? Sir, they've taken him away. Tell me where he is. I'll go get him. And then, what does he say? Does he say, Mary, come on. It's me. I'm Jesus. I'm right in front of your face. What does he say? He says one word in response. Her name. Her name. He calls out to her. Mary. And that was enough. Verse 16. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni! Which means teacher. Rabbi. Isn't that something? He didn't say, it's me. He didn't say, I'm Jesus. Don't you recognize me? He didn't say, I I'm right here. If you're playing hide and seek, Mary, you're, you'd absolutely lose because I'm right in front of your face. You don't recognize it. <laughs> and he just calls out her name. Mary. Mary. And that was enough. Jesus didn't reveal himself to Mary by telling her who he was, but by telling her who she was to him. Mary. And that was enough. She didn't say, oh. It didn't take him to say, I am Jesus, for her to realize who he was. 
It just took her, um, Jesus telling her who she is. Mary. And that was enough. My note on that says Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first. Her grief had blinded her. She couldn't see him because she didn't expect to see him. Mm. Then he spoke her name and immediately she recognized him. Imagine the love that fluttered her heart when she heard her Savior saying her name. Jesus is near you and he's calling your name. That's my That's good now. Was that part about might have missed him? She couldn't see him because she didn't expect to see him. Hmm. Didn't see him because she didn't expect to see him. I wonder if we've ever missed Jesus because we didn't expect to see him there. In a certain situation, in a certain area of our life, in a certain whatever. Almost positively. <laughs> almost, almost positively, we all probably have. In one way or another. I mean, maybe she's like, you know wouldn't accept it at first until he like says her name because she's not expecting someone alive so. mm -hmm. yeah she, she wasn't expecting it she was expecting tell me where his body is and I'll take his body but instead there was a live person so she wasn't expecting it plus she probably had a bunch of tears in her eyes and she's grieving and just probably like where, where is he And then, and then what does Jesus say right after that? Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. This person, my Savior, my Lord, that she's calling him, my Lord, where's my Lord? He's gone. And then she realizes that he's right there in front of her. So she's probably just like holding on to it, like, yes, you're back. I'm not letting you go. And he's like, don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. And then, how does Jesus refer to the people that he's saying to go find? What does he call them? In verse 17. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. I go find... My brothers. My brothers. Tell them I'm ascending to the Father and your Father and to my God and your God. I like the way that... Um, that Spurgeon uh, quotes this part. I do not remember that the Lord Jesus ever called his disciples, his brethren, brothers, till that time. He called them servants. He called them friends. But now that he has risen from the dead, he says, my brethren, brothers. Because he's never called them brothers before. He's, they've been disciples. They've been followers, servants, friends. But never brothers. And now he's... He's raised from the dead. Thoughts about I am ascending to the tell them, I am ascending to the Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Why didn't he say, tell them I'm ascending to our Father and our God? Wouldn't it have just been quicker and easier to say? What's the difference? At least in 
you know, this translation, right? You know, he's, he calls the disciples brother. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? They, they've been through everything together. They, you know, they're very close. So aside from them being servants and, and followers, you know, now they're brothers. But while addressing her, he not only has referred to them as brothers, but it says, my father and your father, talking to Mary. And again, you know, including her in this. So it's not just the disciples, the men of Jerusalem, the men of, it, you know, it's them and you, meaning and the women too. The, the men, the women, children too, everybody gets involved in this. So it's, you know, my father, and I've already called them brothers, so they're lumped in on this. And your father, meaning you're lumped in too. You know, my God, your God. I think, too, there's another place in Scripture where we're talking about us becoming co-heirs with Christ. We are Christ, so Christ, my God, my Father, he, get, he is allowed that authority and assertion. But because we are now in his kingdom, because we are now in his family adopted in, it is our, our Father, our God, too. So there's still that level of distinction between Christ and his followers, his brothers, his disciples, his sisters, whatever you want to say it, but all one united family. Yeah. And I think those are those both at the point and it's it's showing that they're the they're in the same family, but also, you know, Mary and the disciples all have a physical earthly father. Jesus has, his, his biological father is God, right? It's not Joseph, but God. God is his actual father, born from God through Mary. So he's saying, I'm ascending to my father, and he's your father too. But not in the same way, but he, he's your heavenly father, he's my father. To my God, He's one and the same with God, but to your God. I just think it's a cool dis um, <coughs> distinction. That's the word. Any other thoughts so far on anything that we've read? I still don't, I, I've never understood why the specific reason. I, I think I've read quite a bit in, on it, and I haven't really found the. The reasoning is much for verse 17 on <clears throat> don't cling to me or don't touch me, um, as a lot of translations have it. <clears throat> for I'm not ascended to the Father. I don't particularly understand why she wasn't allowed to touch him. Um, especially because later we know Thomas does. Right? So, yeah, I don't particularly understand it. <clears throat> My note on 17 says, Mary did not want to lose Jesus again. She had not yet understood the resurrection. Perhaps she thought this was his promised second coming. But Jesus did not want to be detained at the tomb. And I don't know um, what Mary's like actual physical actions were at that point in clinging to. But it says, yeah, Jesus... He, if he did not ascend to heaven, the Holy Spirit could not come. 
both he and Mary had important work to do. So in some way, shape, or form, her keeping him there was delaying the eventual ascension for him. I don't know. But, yeah, just that's what my little footnote says. That makes sense because he says, don't cling to me. He's not just like, don't cling to me. He's like, don't cling to me for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, hey, there's work to, like, there's stuff to be done. Kind of not quite as so direct or rude of like, hey, don't slow me down. Don't hold me back from what needs to get done. But kind of like, hey, I've got, I've got things to do also, kind of in a way of like, Mm -hmm. You know, don't just hold me, don't just, work don't just weigh me down stuff. and keep me right here just because you want to, you know, you're happy to see me, like, that's great, but yes, let's, let's go complete this work. So, it's strange that Jesus would have chosen a woman to be the first person that he saw, that he showed himself to after resurrection, but how much more nonsensible would it have been for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to include that as their witness. Because the court, the, the, the law, the courts, wouldn't have held the, the testimony of a woman as, as strong as the testimony of a man. So if, if Mary was like, I saw him, I was the only one, no one else saw him, but I saw him, they'd probably be like, mm, this woman's crazy. But other men were like, yeah, we saw him too. We all hung out with him after he was dead. That, that brought other people some more, I guess, conclusive evidence or, or more of a better testimony for them, a wit- better witness. But the fact that it's included as that, as the woman, as Mary being the first one that Jesus revealed himself to, just shows even more of how accurate that account would be. Because it, it, it doesn't make their case any stronger by being like, yeah, woman saw Jesus first. Jesus revealed him, the Messiah that we've all been waiting for, revealed himself to Mary, a woman who used to be possessed by demons. They would have no reason to include that if that wasn't the case. Because if it, was, if it wasn't the case, they're just making their own account sound less trustworthy. But they're like, that's what happened, we're sticking to it. Cool, good stuff. And we want to take a small part, 19 through 23. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy and when, when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Awesome. How did Jesus get in there? Jesus Peter. He's Jesus. Those slow hands. <laughs> What are your thoughts? What's, what's going on here? No one else has seen him yet. Just Mary. Now they're all meeting. 
behind locked doors because they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And all of a sudden, he appears. And of course, it kind of starts out like, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, peace. Peace, guys. It's all right. Anything? Comments? Observations? What was his purpose of going there? What was the call to action? To go inspect his work. Mm -hmm. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It says, Peace be with you twice. He just appears. Jesus isn't there, and then phew, Jesus is there. Peace be with you. And he's showing them his hand, and hey, look, peace be with you. See? See the holes? Yep. See this hole on my side? Yeah, it's me. Peace be with you. Again. Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he gives them the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. What are your thoughts about 23? If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Does that mean that these people have the power to forgive sins? Kind of. I mean, they're not the ones forgiving it, but on behalf. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I like that. Good way to put it. Like they're, they're not in charge of it, but he put them in charge of it. Yeah. It's just pretty wild. And Jesus told them before... You guys are going to do the same works I did and even greater. I'm empowering you. In my name, in Jesus' name, you guys will be able to do these things and much more. Jesus brought people from the dead. Jesus healed people. Jesus forgave people. Jesus did lots of miracles. In fact, John ends this, his book, next chapter, by saying, like, there were many other things that Jesus did. It couldn't all be written down. There's not enough books in the world to contain all that he did. And we only know about like this small amount of what he did. And, and Jesus had told him that you guys are going to do even more than all of what I've done. And even greater. So yeah, he's saying, if you forgive someone, they'll be forgiven. Don't forgive them. They're not forgiven. That's pretty powerful. But yeah, he's, he's speaking on, on behalf of me, Jesus, because you have been around me, you know who I am, you know my character, you know that I forgive, you know that I am forgiving. So if you know that someone is asking for forgiveness and you say that they've been forgiven, in my name, that means that I will forgive them. Alright, 24 through the end. Everyone take it. I have a thought. I think it's interesting. Verse 22. And so then with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I feel like this gets like super overlooked because I'm like, the Holy Spirit's not there yet. That's what we think. Yeah, right. we think the acts, like Pentecost happened right. and like tongues of fire fall on everybody. But it's like, so what happened here that he breathed on them and they were supposedly received the Holy Spirit, given the power, you know, to forgive sins in his name. Holy Spirit technically is now with them as, as of this moment. And it's not till Acts that, like, 
anything happens. I just think it's really interesting because I'm like, I don't, I sincerely do not understand because it doesn't give any context for what just happened for then Acts 1 to, or Acts 2, whatever it is, to be like, oh yeah, and then they, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit showed up, they started speaking in tongues, and you know, the Holy Spirit filled them, they began to speak in other tongues, and then everyone thought they were drunk, and then they started preaching magically, amazing, like, I just think it's interesting because it yeah. just gets kind of glossed yeah. over. You're just like, wait, wait. Does wait. It <laughs> so that happened way before Pentecost. Not yeah. way, but like significant. That was the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. He apparently gave them the Holy Spirit. But yet we don't acknowledge that the Holy Spirit actually came or became part of the process until he was already gone significantly later. I don't know significantly, but like a week later or whatever it was longer amount of time than we should, you know? I don't know. It's just interesting to me because I genuinely don't, I genuinely never think about this when I think about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's a good point. You know, the question is going to be, you know, were they clinging on to him? Much like Mary was doing, they're still focused on him as they should be, but you know, they're clinging on him and his works and, you know, everything he's still doing. And so when he ascends, when he leaves them, you know, now it's, oh, there's actually more here than we were realizing, because we were still paying attention to this. So, before, uh, blah, 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 before Jesus was crucified in John 16, he talks about, I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you, but I am now going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict you of the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of, the world, of this world is judged. Um, and then he goes on to say, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. And, and he continues on. So... They've heard the term, and maybe that is, <clears throat> maybe they don't receive it right at that moment. But he says, receive it as a reminder of, hey, remember when I said that about receiving the Spirit? Receive the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving, so make sure you receive the Holy Spirit. Um, and gives them instructions for after he's gone. And maybe the Holy Spirit has not descended yet still. But it's just a reminder that, that the Holy Spirit's coming. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it's not, no. Okay. Because what it happens? sounds like it's a gift that Jesus is giving. Because it's like, because also if you look at Acts 1, again, before, so Jesus was then for like over 40 days, that's what it says. But like, it says that until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he chose. Like the Holy Spirit was not only like given to them in that moment, it was, he was working through the Holy Spirit while still present with them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily a make or break thing. It just yeah, I never right. like contemplated the idea that Jesus was imparting the Holy Spirit before Pentecost, before he actually left. Because yeah. it also says, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke through David, which is a whole different thing. Right, right. But I was gonna say, yeah, there's like two times in the Old Testament or whatever. Yeah. Which chapter is Pentecost then? Pentecost is Acts two. Jesus' ascension comes. is Acts one. But it says, you know, he was with them for 
something like 40 days. So in Acts, in Acts 2, when they were kind of cost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm filled the house that they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So there were other, there were, sounded like a lot of other believers there at that point in time, yeah. which there were. So I, it doesn't, I don't think it necessarily says there, I think maybe that's just our thoughts, because that's really generally where we hear of the Holy Spirit first coming as Pentecost, because a bunch of people were given the Holy Spirit then. The Holy Spirit um, descended, uh, everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't say anything like, this was the first of the Holy Spirit, anything like that. Just in verse four, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, but it says, if you, this is the thing about the Bible, because we break it up into chapters and verses mm -hmm. and stuff. It's not actually, it's not always like the full context. Because if you, if you read the end, of, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's just interesting. No, I was fascinated question. by it because I never, I always thought Holy Spirit came after Jesus left at Pentecost, not after, according to what we're reading, which is fascinating to me. But if you look, because it says. In the, oh no, that's not it. It says, these are the ones that were gathered when they arrived. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas. They name all of the disciples, um, along with Mary, along with the women, meaning you know, the women who followed Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, were his brothers. So basically, all of the people, plus a few of those close ones that we're used to hearing about, the disciples and those close ones, referring to the people who were in that room when the, when the tongues of fire fell. Oh, I guess this is more. 120. I don't know. It was just interesting to me. Because the yeah. disciples got the Holy Spirit, but then tongues of fire fell later. It was just interesting to me. Because yeah. I never noticed that. Being like quiet was the Holy Spirit, and then flames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. I it's kind of like, it's like, a, it's like a, here's the soft opening. Like, here you go, guys. Here's the Holy <laughs> yeah. Spirit. And then coming next week, it's boom! The Holy Spirit is here! Grand opening. Grand Holy opening. Spirit. They were filled with it. Yeah. You see? And then filled. Here's a little Costco sample of the Holy Spirit, guys. <laughs> now go and do my will. And, um, Get the big box. And the big box is coming next week and that's too. Yeah. That was just interesting to me because I never notated. No, that's a good observation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have, very easy to I do have something to say. Yeah. What's that? It's like a little testimony, kind of. Okay. I, I talked to you guys about it before. But when I first accepted Jesus Christ, um, I cried and I enjoyed it and it was amazing. But it was not like a month later where um, I was possessed. I was possessed and I, they took a uh, demon out of me. Was when I re truly felt the Holy Spirit after that. So and that was that took that was within a month of when I first accepted Jesus Christ. Mm. The thing about the demon being possessed over me, and then once that happened. The Holy Spirit was like, it was like burning me. And I was like out there in the streets just dancing like crazy because I was in love with Jesus Christ. So it's just like it was, it took that month within that time period. And then when I truly felt the, the Holy Spirit. But mm -hmm. before that month, I, I felt it. I mean, I felt something. I would cry. And I, so, you know, my life was changing. But it was not into that day about the possession of the demon. Then it's like, wow. I see the whole, I see I see you Lord, and my life is completely changed. So mm. 
I don't know. That, that could be something related. Cause like I said, I felt the, the Holy Spirit, but it was not until a month later, where it's just like it just mm-hmm. came down like heavy on me. It's like whoa. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, one one last thought on that is in twenty verse twenty two. He breathes on them and says, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Not, here you go, take it. Boom, it's inside of you now. you got to receive it. I mean, you know, that, that just goes for salvation too, you know. It's, it's not just say these words and you're saved. It's not just, like, God's there. He's always there with the open arms, open hands. It's a matter of receiving it. Like, I can't give Zach a gift. He can't have it unless he receives it. Like that. If you try to give it to me, if I try to give it to him, hey man, here's the Holy Spirit. I want you to have it. But until he receives it, receive, would you receive the Holy Spirit? Oh, he received it. Impromptu object blessing. Awesome. Everyone take 24 through the end. I'll award 18 gun points. Mm-hmm. That's it? You said 24. <laughs> yeah. Someone else could do it. My voice is not great. <laughs> I'll do it. Go for it. Okay. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Awesome. I love Thomas. Quiet. It's so relatable. Yeah, I think it's yeah. easy to look at him and be like, ah, down, Thomas. He was a <laughs> disciple of Jesus, and yet he couldn't even name. believe. Right there. Jesus right told him to his face and to all the others that I will come again, that I'll be back, that I must, the, the Son of Man must be lifted up, die, and three days later will come. And and he believed him, but now that's happening, he's like, I will not believe it until I see it. Put my hand in the hole of his arm and, and, and put my hand in the wound in his side. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus is so gentle with Thomas here, too. He's not like, you're an idiot. He's like, here, put your finger here. This is what you said you needed. Put your finger here, put your hand in my side, like, look. And don't be faithless any longer, but believe. And then, even when he, the, like, the rebuke of, you believe because you've seen me, 
blessed are those who believe without seeing me, even in that there's like a gentleness about the way that he says that. It's not like he's not demeaning or condescending towards Thomas, like why did you need this? Others don't need this. It's none of that. It's, you know, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who can believe without seeing me. Like it's a gentle that it would happen, and now all his other buddies, all the other disciples are all like, Thomas, we saw him. They're like, nuh-uh. I don't believe it. He's like, what's today? Yesterday was it in March? Today's April 1st? Uh-uh. No, I don't believe it, guys. Mm-hmm. April 1st? Mm-hmm. Not getting me? I, I don't believe it until I can see myself and touch myself. I don't believe it. Yeah. It's like, I was thinking of an example in my head and the, the example that came to mind was like if I came up to Ben and I was like uh, if we all came up to Ben and said hey we saw the Apple event the next phone they make you are going to switch to because it's that good ben, Ben's going to respond he's going to be like I will believe it when it is in my hand and I have purchased it like it's not going to happen um, is just what it it was just a really dumb thing that I thought of. It's just the same thing as the last one. Anyhow, um, but I was, I was, uh, we did a, uh, our pastor did a sermon on this a couple months ago on Thomas, doubting Thomas or whatever. Um, but I didn't realize he was only, I know he's in there very little, but I didn't realize he only spoke one other time recorded in the Bible. And it's in John 11. Uh, in, well, I'll go through from 14. Jesus, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. So, like, Thomas doesn't seem to be a bandwagoner based on that passage, right? He's just like, all right, let's go die. We're going to make this thing happen. Um, and yet, he's only remembered as, as the doubting Thomas, right? Uh, but I like what you said, Jackie, too. That like, it it doesn't. It's it's us, right? But like, I think Thomas still has us outranked. But yeah. And Jesus says, "You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me." And I think if we, you know, took Thomas's unfortunate nickname of doubting Thomas and apply that to ourselves. And, you know, it's kind of like, what what would it take for us to believe? You know, how many times have I prayed, like, God, I need to see a physical sign. Not just me thinking that I'm hearing your voice. I need a physical sign in front of my face. Makes me think of uh, Evan Almighty, or Bruce Almighty, when he's like, God, would you just give me a sign? And then a truck pulls in front of him with, like, 50, like, street signs. And it's like, wrong way, turn around, stop. <laughs> do not enter. You, do, you turn, do not enter. And he's like, what's this guy doing in front of me? And it goes around him, and that's when he crashes. But how many of us are doubting Ben, right? I'm not going to go around and say everyone's saying like I usually do, but how many of us are doubting Zach? <laughs> How many of us are doubting Christian? And that covers two of us and all of us. How many of us doubt because we haven't seen, because we haven't been able to touch, because we haven't been able to experience and cling on to? Pop period.
Yes. <laughs> Bob period. Question mark. Then, then again, not then again, because yes, I'm still standing by the I am Thomas. But it says that Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Everybody in this room has never seen Jesus in the flesh. Seen, you know, at least as far as, as I know. As far as you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, if anybody I, has, please tell us now. Right, I was I want to know that story. <laughs> But that, that comment of, like, blessed are those who believe without seeing me, like, we're all blessed. We're all blessed to believe right here in this room without having had the amazingly spontaneous and crazy opportunity to walk alongside Jesus the way Thomas did. Like, that puts us in the blessed category, which is just wild to think Perfect. about, too. That didn't really fit for me until just now. That's great. That's cool. I also think I just love this whole story because I, I love reading a week later. <laughs> Jesus let him sit for a week <laughs> in this. The disciples, like, you, they had to, like, if you just Tried saw dude, someone. We're telling you, man. If you saw someone, like, raised from dead, like, the, the Messiah, you now know it's, like, you know for a fact because you were stupid and ignored him saying it, like, 50 million times, but now you get it because he finally was raised. And, like, you're finally in that, like, how, like, mind blown must the rest of the time like what else could you talk about what else would there have been to talk about how mad at thomas would you have been how pissed <laughs> would you have been at thomas if he was so adamantly against it and god's timing is just i just love like how like he is gentle but he's also like that like sense of humor of like god knows timing like if you were thomas you'd be like god like why wouldn't you have shown up yes like the day after okay i missed i missed that meeting should have been there should have gone to church you know but like i missed that but like why wouldn't you have shown up like the next day or the next day why did you wait so long because that feels like that timing is wrong and in reality like god's timing is always the greatest but like how often do we do that too right. of like the downing right. of like oh well if you showed up last week i would have gotten it or if you had told me that last time that i was screwing up and it's like mm, but Maybe he did, and you missed it. And, you know, or maybe there's some reason that the timing is in fact correct, even though it feels very wrong or feels uncomfortable. It feels, you know, whatever. And I think kind of like I get what you're saying, but also the kind of the reverse of it is like, yes, we don't see Jesus, but like I mean, even your story, Ben. How many times does God give us a clear thing, and then we're like, meh, like the gift card. Like you needed the radio to confirm to you before you got the gift card. No shame, that's great. And God is gracious in that way that he gives us reminders. But like, the Holy Spirit told you to do it, and you're like, meh, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, God's timing is so great that like, even though sometimes it's like, I could have learned this so long ago. <laughs> I would have really loved to have learned this so long. That's where I sit. That's where I sit. I'm like, I would have loved to have learned this so long ago, but recognizing that like the six things we go through, the things that he teaches us in the way that he teaches us mm -hmm. does end up having some significant impact that we may not even see on the side of heaven. Like we don't even know how that affected Thomas. Like Thomas missed out on a week of the 40 days. You know, Jesus was only back for like a little over a month and he missed a whole week of it sitting in his unbelief. But yet that, that had to have done something that maybe we don't even know because we don't hear about Thomas a lot. But like what, did that do to his ministry? What did that do to his relationship? Like, that, like, you know, propelled him. Oh, so essentially. And you look at, like, okay, what did he miss? He missed seeing him. But Jesus also gave him a very clear command receive the Holy Spirit. He missed out on the Holy Spirit for eight days. And then he told them to, he's like, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. They're like, they're like, dude, like, you didn't, Thomas, you didn't just miss seeing Jesus. 
you missed a calling from him. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He said that if we forgive people, that they're forgiven. For eight days, he missed out on that. We don't know why. We don't know, you know, maybe he was helping family. We don't know what he was doing. So we don't have any explanation why he wasn't there. I'm never helping my cousin Jethro move again. <laughs> but anyway. Could be because he doubted Mary. Because Mary was the one who was told all the disciples to go yeah. uh, meet up at the spot. Could be. And he doubted her. This last little part, verse 30 and 31, is pretty cool too. Purpose of the book. It's subtitled. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Final thoughts before we close out. Sorry. Um, Mark 16. I was looking for this. So, uh, verse 9. He starts, it says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Sorry about that. Um, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen with her, they would not believe it. Okay, Thomas is not the only one. Moving on. Verse 12. After these things, he appeared in other, in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. What? Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And then he said to them, go into the, all the world. And he gives you a great commission and all that stuff. So, like, it's not just Thomas. Thomas gets singled out in this particular account. But, what? Is Thomas not a disciple? Thomas is a disciple. It said the 11. Yeah, so this is talking about the second appearance. There are it, only 11. Jesus is out. Jesus. Yes. Confusion, immediate confusion. What am I missing? The Bible's never wrong. But if he appeared to 11 <laughs> disciples, there are only 11, which would include Thomas. Thomas so he included, Thomas is included in the eight days later. So this is just talking about the eight days later. It skips over the first one that was eight days before. Oh, okay. See. In this account. Copy. Okay, that's what I was confused. I was like, yeah, yeah. then Thomas was there. I was confused again. <laughs> but yeah, so what I was saying was that like Thomas wasn't the only one that doubted. He's just the only one. He's the only one mentioned in this particular account. Hmm. Um, Actually, that's good. I, I forgot this little, this little part I had of Jesus was busy that day. Yeah, I didn't just see Mary all on the same day. He saw he, he revealed himself to Mary Magdalene in John twenty, what we read, to the other woman as well. It says that in Matthew twenty eight, um, to the two on the road to Emmaus. That's in Mark and Luke's account, where they also didn't recognize Jesus. They're there just talking, and then Jesus disappears, and they're, they're like, "Yeah, you know," and and then they're like, "Wait, was that Jesus?" And then also to Peter, that's in Luke. And then also referenced in 1 Corinthians 15. And then to the ten, and then to the ten disciples uh, when Thomas was absent in John 20 here. So he met at five different points in time that day. I'm sure Jesus was just like just like teleporting back and forth. Um, he was telling Mary not to go to anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, you need to like go where you're going. You're not going places. So <laughs> I mean, you just stay here and tell people about me. <laughs> He's like, they're already not going to believe that you saw me. They're not going to believe that you just teleported. Because that word hasn't been invented yet. Anyway, cool.
Good stuff, guys. Great questions. Great conversation. We have one chapter left. Next week, we're going to finish out the book of John. Um, yeah, and then I don't know, we'll have a John party or something. <laughs> bring, bring any John that you know. Whoever brings the most Johns is, is welcome. We'll, we'll put a, a sign on the bathroom that says this is the John. Dang it! Ah. I was going to bring so many little toilets. <laughs> I was going to bring the most John. Wait, how many Ben points do you get if you bring the most John? Like actual person named John? Yes. That's um, a good answer. A hundred. Yeah. What are the 21 chapters? 210 Ben points per John that you bring. Anyway. <laughs> actual John's, not toilets. Actual human beings that are living and breathing and breathing and that have a soul. Or John or John. Any variation of John. Or Johnny. 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 Okay. I'm going to pray. <laughs> God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being able to meet together and read your word and to to have your spirit here with us. It's so great that, that your spirit dwells with us and inside of us. Thank you for, for giving that freely, for allowing us to be able to receive your spirit. We pray for us to be all able to, to see you and hear your voice this week, to to not have to say, God, let me let me see a physical sign. To not be a doubting Thomas, not be a doubting Ben. To not doubt, but just to believe. Because you said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Help us to be able to be a light in this world. Help us to be able to be tellers of the gospel. And sharers of, of the good news. Yeah, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.